<laughs> and of nice course, try. the M11 nice try. monochrome. The monochrome would be really something too. Nice. Though try. I have to say, the Q2 that I've been using—that's still my all-time favorite camera that I've ever owned. It's just so good. <sighs> so as we talk about. <clears throat> the new Leica M11, which is not the topic of this show. Um, I think we should just seamlessly slide into the episode because I still don't have the intro music fig figured out <sighs> yet. So no, we oh, are okay. we are live. We are live. Whee! Okay, this Hello. is you are joining a, a conversation previously in progress. In so. motion, <laughs> yeah, you're joining <laughs> a program previously in progress. Yeah, I Please don't. do not adjust your set. I think you didn't miss the intro. Yeah, um, Jeremiah, you are. You sound like you're not using your proper microphone. I, I am. Uh, are you? Okay, then move I it a bit adjust. closer. Move it a bit closer. There we go. Let me just see if. Hold on. How's that? This is in, interesting just... audio. This is interesting podcasting one, for sure. <laughs> one, 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 one. How's Leave that? it as it is. That's good. Um, so here we are, the future of photography, coming to you from three more or less undisclosed locations. I'm Chris, there's Adrian, there's Jeremiah. Hello. Hello, hello. How's everyone hello. doing? Uh, we're good. This this will be um, my 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 last podcast in a non-echoey environment. Oh, are you you're going back to back to the shooting <laughs> back thing? to the echo chamber on Monday for uh, the second half of my of my series and it's going to be a wild ride as covid now is oh yeah you have we have a new variant out there and you are shooting yeah. under different uh, circumstances oh my it's, okay it, it's very going to be challenging yes but it's turning out well and so good uh, you know anyway let's talk photography <laughs> that's what we're here for um yes and the future of photography, of course. Now, here's here's what I was was thinking about. Um, do you guys remember, uh, let's say, uh, 2009 Canon 5D Mark II? Um, oh, Jeremiah, you certainly remember because that was the first DSLR that shot full-frame video. Yeah. I had one and loved it when I bought it. I just love that camera. I yeah. You know. Same here for me. I mean, this was, even though I'm not a filmmaker, but it was a game changer in so many respects. And it was, yeah. But you, do you remember what happened? They released that feature in 2009. People went wild. And then everyone realized wait a minute, the camera, the, vid the video mode is on full automatic and there's no way around <laughs> minor, it. Minor problem. Which, <laughs> in other words, exposure, uh, just everything. Was everything was, was fully automated. And uh, everyone from the film community, from the, from the uh, filmmaking community, understood how, how groundbreaking it was for, to have full-frame video and uh, how disappointing it was that you couldn't really fiddle with the settings. So um, under immense pressure from the community, Canon uh, started working on a new firmware to allow to, to add features to make it more feature rich. And uh, when that finally was out, um, then people <laughs> people started demanding 24 frames per second because that wasn't in there. So they added another round of uh, firmware 
updates, if I remember correctly, to add. Yeah, and the pro- you know the prob the problem was once you use the video once, um, I would I, I would kind of create a a, a kind of a. It felt like using the Oculus now. In, in, in other words, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is going to be great at some point. Uh, that's what it felt like. It, it didn't yeah. feel like, as a filmmaker, I thought, oh, well, even if I put it, say, in a car that I was going to crash as a B camera, you know, that kind of yeah. thing, or, or, or play around with a small but pretty effective way to do kind of sm- short bursts of shots for a film or a TV show. But it didn't really work well because, as you know, the the, yeah. the adjustment of of your uh, f stop is critical <laughs> in so, maintaining some kind of semblance. So it took a while um, for them to get it right, but they they updated the feature set, and that was for for all I remember with cameras. That was a pretty that was pretty new for a company to update features on a product like a camera, even a digital one. And, uh, yeah, for those for those of us in, in filmmaking who were used to working with both, you know, at that time, uh, you know, I guess Sony had was right. kind of, uh, you know, quite forward, uh, and and I think it was it was that chip was being used by a lot. In fact, I, I speaking of Leica as we were before, I think they're using the Sony chip as well. So we were used to updating firmware on bigger cameras yeah. uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, especially to increase the dynamic range, the gamma. That that was always what people wanted more, mm-hmm. you know, more gamma. So, um, so, so that that's kind of what I want to talk about the the updating of things. I've just just a while ago, and I think a lot of people have heard that software eats <clears throat> hardware. Like things are more and more software defined in their features, and I think the biggest the biggest. Um, product that that pioneered well, I'm not sure they pioneered it but um that that really made this obvious to me is the iPhone which came out in 2007 which turns out I mean have you seen these these comparisons of how many gadgets an iPhone replaces like 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 a a, a picture of a desk in the 80s with a a, a Rolodex and a cassette recorder and a a, a camera and all these things that and then the second picture is like uh, nowadays you see just just an iPhone and that took over 50 different jobs pretty much um so what apple has done back then is they have given us a slab of glass with some inputs like a touch a microphone a gyroscope um different kinds of a barometer and whatever is in there now um and outputs as in a screen and a, a speaker and some haptics and some antennas in there to receive and send out things and everything that happens on the iPhone is 100% software defined now it would does you agree, a million different jobs would you agree that uh, in the Probably in the not too distant future, we will be able to see um, heart transplant patients with artificial hearts, and those hearts will have inputs, and they will upgrade the software um, according to the patient's needs. Why not? 
I mean, I hope I won't be one of them because, or, or at, <laughs> least not, but... at least not one of the early ones, but <laughs> <laughs> the beta testers. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Uh, I don't know. What would you rather have an updated uh, uh, artificial heart that is uh, basically, you know, powered by uranium or a pig's heart? I don't know. You decide. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, but, but the software definition of things is happening more and more. We just had a, a case, and that's pretty much what triggered the, the this this episode for me, is that the Nikon, Nikon Z9, Z9. <laughs> say I mean, it in until, German, Chris. It's okay to say it in German. Nikon Z9, yeah. that's the one. Um, <laughs> right. You mean when, a Nikon Z? <laughs> whichever, which, which, yeah. which just got an update, a firmware update, um, and uh, that opened up their buffer like the, the 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 rapid fire buffer from three to fifteen seconds. Mm. So that's quite impressive. So yeah. so now now my question is, of course, did they do this on purpose? Did they hold back? Did they not have the development finished before they released the product, or is or is that now a, a regular part of the process? You have a product, you know it could do more. You don't include it because you can. I don't know, get it on the market earlier that way because the feature isn't finished yet and then just bring it back, uh, bring those features in later. Is that on purpose? I would argue no. I would argue that it was not ready for prime time and that's why they didn't do it because I think updating software is a great strategy for engaging uh, the relationship between a brand, an object, uh, software, and those who are purchasing it. So for example, we see it in software now in terms of let's say editing software. So you're, you buy a, a bundle and it's really great and they go, oh, if you upgrade, it'll only cost you 10, 15, 25, 50, whatever, we'll give you more features. That's a different issue because then you're going, oh, I really like this. I want the latest and the greatest. But in terms of no value added. Um, I think it's probably debatable between different brands what they would do. Some probably want that engagement if it, in fact, was ready. And some probably didn't have it ready. And some, uh, I, I think it's different. I don't think there's an overgeneralization we could make. That's a really interesting comment, actually. Uh, I hadn't thought about it in terms of engagement Um I mean, it's not so many years ago that most camera manufacturers would would upgrade their models very frequently, and and very often there was very little difference in the hardware, but there was some difference in in the feature set, and it was a way to get you to pay for a new camera. Then some some companies started doing firmware updates, uh, and now that's sort of become the norm a little bit now, hasn't it? Um, uh, not everybody can do it, but a, a lot do now, and. I always thought because, well, part, partly, I guess, because of my you know, experience in my day job in software development, um, you know, that it, it was just simply a way of getting a robust product to market quicker. And then you can iterate it later. I mean, that's how software development works these days. Um, it's, uh, you know, you can work on those features. You'll have a feature roadmap uh, and you will iterate your software and release it when it's ready. But you wouldn't wait to have all the features available. So, um, it's, it, it is an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I mean, especially when you consider the companies that actually go out of their way to update firmware on older models as well. I mean, the, the, uh, the psychology of it is, is, is kind of obvious because you get a new product 
in some respects and that mm-hmm. creates a, yeah, yeah. a, a mm-hmm. stronger bond between you and and the company in some way if if those features are worth it of course and if you get them for free like a couple of months down the road um you you've used that product you got used to it and then all, all of a sudden it has new capabilities um which which it does bo- happen right like like with also- a, with the Z9 I know you guys are talking about the positive part of this, but oh, there I, is the negative part of this as well. Because how come the, Jeremiah as the, is, is as, at it again? As the feature dystopian here, uh, you know, I have a Drobo, uh, which I've used as a RAID for years and years and years and years. As soon as the M1 chip was uh, introduced uh, and I got it, I could not, for the love of me, have that Drobo. It just stopped working. And they claimed, oh, we're going to update it. This is now going on a year. And, and it's, it's effectively a boat anchor now. Um, and, I, have and a, I have a history with Drobo uh, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Similar? Yeah. Yes. So, so the inverse is also possible. Um, I was one of those, uh, you know, guys that bought that, um, what was it called, uh, it's a backup module uh, for cameras on location. Oh, is that the Narbox? The, the Narbox. Yeah, so yeah. I have, I have a Narbox. I heard, and they, they updated their firmware along the lines. I really enjoyed it. Worked great on location. And now I hear they're out of business, like gone. Yeah, they are. Yeah, late last year. I mean, it's taken a while to come out, but unfortunately, like late last year, right. I think the, the the company was taken over by. I don't know who some some kind of investment managers. I think right. as it's all a bit now, cloudy in the news at the moment. So. But like Polaroid, here is the uh, opportunity in terms of software eating the world. Would it make sense for some developers to go? We're going to. We don't have to introduce a product. We are going to rewrite the software for the Narbox, update it, and sell it to you. Even inexpensively to reactivate what is basically a hard drive with an input. That's really what it is. Um, and that also is, is kind of interesting when you say the dominance of software eating the world. There's an opportunity cost for third parties. Imagine a third party that was able to go into Canon's cameras. Oh, and that create is a- already out there. It's that, called Magic yeah. Lantern. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's where I was heading. So <laughs> these kinds of things are very interesting and very... Uh, and then, so are you more attached to Magic Lantern in that case or Canon? Now, interesting thought here because with the cameras, you could argue that, okay, there's a certain hardware feature set that these cameras offer and then you can try to squeeze out as much as you can but the camera manufacturer already squeezes out a lot you'll just be able to add a couple more features but um, I'm I'm trying to go back to the deliberation of things Um, and what I'm looking at is is this a month ago I paid money to upgrade my car to have a heated steering wheel did you have to pay for that? I got that for free. <laughs> because you bought it later and it wasn't it was part of what you bought. It was not part of what I bought. So the the thing is Tesla did that. Um they and they have done this in the past that they added features hardware they, they included hardware um and to at a later point made it available to you and you could upgrade it by giving them 
a, a certain sum of money. The same is true with their self-driving thing computer that's on board of every car and you don't have to use that feature. But if you want to, you can just upgrade it. So so th this, this is a bit more deliberate, as in we put hardware in and we don't activate it straight away. Same with heated rear seats in that car. They are not active by default. You can activate them by paying if you need them. If you don't, <sighs> then the hardware is still there. So how does that feel? <laughs> that feels like it would piss me off, personally. But I understand. I understand it. Why would it Tesla. piss you they, off? Because because if you bought that vehicle and did explicitly not having that feature, and then later finding out that um, you that can, would piss me off. It's different. I'll tell you why. The heated seats are in the car. You've bought it. You've paid for it. All they do is send you a couple of zeros and ones, which cost effectively nothing, to make it work. To turn it on. You've, it's there in your car. So my question is, why would they hold back something that they've already sold to you um, unless it was just a squeeze to try and get a little more money because they weren't making enough selling carbon credits? I don't know. Now, <laughs> now, how is that different from, from Nikon who uh, had, who sold that camera with a with a buffer of three shots and uh, of three seconds, and then later upgraded it to 15 seconds. I, I could say that possibly, of course, I have no way of knowing, but possibly in uh, when they ran the buffer at 15, the lag time was so great that there was still glitches in it. There were still bugs in that particular thing that wouldn't allow it to process properly. And until they worked that out, they didn't want to hold back the camera. So they sent it with three. And then maybe six months later, it had been tried and tested. And so they but, then released the firmware. But that's an assumption on your part right now. It's completely an assumption on my yeah. part. And I'd like Nikon, Nikon ZZ, <laughs> to send me a camera to test. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, there, is, there is example, there are examples in, in the camera world of, of chargeable firmware upgrades, aren't there? So mm. you know, for, for some years, Panasonic have, have had chargeable firmware upgrades yeah. to unlock capability uh, in their cameras. Um, so I think their, their log format video was a chargeable upgrade for some years isn't it on a on a, a bunch of their cameras um i, I have to it, it is an interesting thing i mean you sit sit uh, it because you know a lot of the company most of these things uh, are free i mean I, sh I shoot with a fuji camera and i've had several over the years and they've all had free updates every now and again um so so chris is this nikon update is this a chargeable update or is it i don't a, think a so free one? no i think okay. i think it's free yeah Okay, so so the question maybe is, is, you know, do we feel different about these things because you have to pay for them? Um, uh, that's, it's, it's a good Possibly. question. Possibly, iPhone, iPhone went the Apple went the different route with the iPhone. You remember software? Well, no, with iPhone, software updates weren't weren't uh, chargeable ever. But with macOS, it used to be a, a charged update. You had to pay for it, and they. It, it went cheaper and cheaper to oh, a yeah. point That's where... That's a long time ago, though, isn't but, it? But it came to a point where th those became free. <laughs> and, of course, the free aspect of it is kind of is helping 
Apple because they can add new features that will enable new business models yeah. and these kind of I think things. So I'd love to know with Apple, I mean, this is, we're talking 20 years ago, aren't we, in the introduction of OS X was when they first started shipping upgrades, you know, really. Right. Um, uh, and for those of us that had, you know, that were around when that first happened and, you know, saw the earliest versions of OS X, I mean, you know, people used to ship, you know, uh, laptops with both the old OS and the new OS on it. And you would, you, you would choose which one you want to run because it, it was pretty clunky, the first few iterations of it, um, so, mate, I'd love to know whether it was intentional. They always thought they were going to have that they were going to give away free updates, and that was, you know, and that was part of the strategy, or whether they were just forced into it. Well, <laughs> well think- Adrian, here. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Jeremiah. Uh, I, I was just going to say, um, just think of it as. Well, let me ask you both a question: When a new upgrade emerges, both on your computer and on your iPhone. Uh, do you immediately upgrade it? That's a, that's interesting. So my phone is set to auto upgrade, um, not um, but maybe brave. but uh, not for the the major annual release necessarily. But I tend to be reasonably confident in that. With the computer, I always wait for the at least the first bug fix release. Um, and, because, and the more and business critical these things get, and for me, they are this this computer I'm sitting <laughs> yeah. in front of is super business critical. Um, I used to be very careless about this and go, <laughs> yeah, sure, YOLO, yeah, YOLO. And then all of a sudden, yeah. half of it doesn't work. Yeah, so so well, here's the question, right? All three of us are using Macs, right? So mine is currently running Big Sur because I haven't upgraded to Monterey yet. I have no idea how long that's been out, but there you go. And what are you guys running? Um I am on Monterey, but I waited for like the first point update. So okay, I I usually wait too. Um, if I'm bold, what I usually do is on one of my computers, not both, hmm. um, my older computer. I will upgrade it and get used to it, uh, see what is running, because often there'll be possibly even one application that is still not running properly. Yeah. When, when that computer is running beautifully, then I will upgrade my desktop. So, Jeremiah, how, how about your cameras? My cameras, I do tend to plunge in and upgrade. But, you know, again, what am I using? I'm using um, effectively, uh, you know, a Leica is my main okay. camera. They do very rarely. So, do not not so business there's critical there's an, for you. Not business critical. Not business critical at all. There, there's also, I think, we need to acknowledge the level of complexity in these things. So if you have a new operating system yeah. you know, for your computer, that 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 is, at this point, what's well, tens of gigabytes usually, isn't it? You know, or, or, at, or, or at the very least, mm-hmm. uh, t- 10. I had a, a, a another MacBook um I did an upgrade a few days ago from Catalina to Big Sur. Uh, that was like my my work one and everything in a corporate world lags behind a bit. Uh, and that um, that was a 12 gigabyte, that's 12 gigabytes of code, right? Now, when I upgrade the firmware on my Fuji X-T3, it's smaller. You, you, you get maybe, you get a small number of megabytes, right? <laughs> yeah, there is far, far, less code and therefore even just statistically speaking far fewer chances for there to be major errors 
True. Yeah, you know, and and also not just because there's far few far fewer lines of code, but of course with fewer lines of code, there becomes less to test. Right? How's this well, follow up? So, sorry, follow up question. Go ahead. Have you ever had an issue by upgrading a camera too early, as opposed to upgrading a computer too early? Compare. Not really. Uh, well, I think there's a clear there's a clue in, in in the tone of your voice as you ask the question, Jeremiah, isn't there? So, <laughs> so uh, no, personally, I don't think I've ever had a camera upgrade that failed or introduced no, a bug. How's um, that in the course, movie industry? When on on location, do your camera people upgrade their cameras right away? They, they do, and sometimes uh, I walk by an AC at lunchtime, and they're. And I'm going, what are you doing? Oh, we're just upgrading the opera in the middle of the day. And I'm like, whoa, man, oh, man. And I'm walking away, walking away. Nothing makes me more nervous of that. And yet, uh, I think in all the years that I've been directing on sets, etc., maybe one time we had issues with the red. That was on an upgrade, only once. And what we did, and this is a tribute to them, is... We contacted them. We were way on location, and um, we fired up emails. They basically sent us the kind of undo or the fix on location, wow. integrated, and solved the problem within uh, a couple of hours. You know, we were just using a backup camera at that point. But so that's also possible. Um, you know, and and who knows if it was operator error or in the code. And okay. fixing a camera on set. That's a fun story. Not, <laughs> not, a, not something I'd recommend. Sounds expensive. <laughs> no, it, it didn't cost anything. Oh, not the but fix. No, the, the, hours, the, the impact the on the production sounds expensive. Well, yeah. yeah, you have to skate around that. And <laughs> anyway, shoot, 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 that. shoot with the iPhone for the rest of the day. How about that? Oh, it, it'll <laughs> fit right in. <laughs> Yeah. So well, well, there we go. So, so what? What are we? What are we drawing any conclusions from all of this round robin discussion? As interesting well, as it is, I beware what you ask for in upgrades, or yeah. embrace them. I think. I think what we. I think. Well, first of all, I thought we we might need this kind of a camera that is just a good sensor amount and uh, the rest. The whole thing is software defined. Just some inputs and some outputs. Put the best sensor in that you can yeah. and uh and then make it convenient to use and add features and things and, and some have tried we've seen these android phone based cameras that had a proper camera um or or let's say that had an android phone strapped to the back of a camera or <laughs> vice versa um but now i think we do have that we have it the iphone and that is pretty much that kind of a system you can add as many camera different camera apps that you yeah. like with features and things and that will make use of whatever's in there i would still rather have a bigger sensor <clears throat> in there and that, that kind of stuff mm. but in general i think we already have that chris could you imagine a generation of cameras that are coming out uh, they could take a, a divergent track one could be just an open source camera that has no basic software mm -hmm. and that you are given a an array of softwares or companies to purchase and and I'm not saying you know for 20 bucks for like $250 this set would be amazing for video on this camera it will do everything this set for stills 
this dynamic range. This is really focused on artificial light and studio work. Um, I, th- I could see that. I, I can see that too. But then on the other hand, um, I think one of the things that you cannot really update via software is uh, the ergonomics of a system. Like oh, that's the, a different story. the haptics and ergonomics. And maybe maybe that's where this whole model kind of breaks down a bit. Possibly. That it is interesting, isn't it? I, I remember uh, a year or so ago reading a book called Life 3.0, which was about uh, the, ev- e- the, the evolution of life, including uh, including artificial intelligence, um, general artificial intelligence, you know, the thing that we're all supposed to be either looking for or, or terribly scared of. And, you know, the, it said the difference between Life 2.0 and Life 3.0 is that you know, in Life 2.0, you, you can change your software yeah, as you go right and so that's kind of where we are now you, you could consider perhaps as humans we can yeah we can educate ourselves you know change our software uh, and with machines we can change the the software as well um you know the future generation being that you know uh, an artificial intelligence that could change its hardware as well as its software um it could choose to do that autonomously um now clearly you know this is you know forward projection territory here right yeah all good all, with all good scientific research behind it you know there's a lot of very very intelligent people working through these things um but uh, i wonder uh you know if this the so, the change changing the software for a fixed hardware configuration is 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 uh, well, it's fairly standard, isn't it? And I think it's just here, you know, for, forever now. Not just in phones, <laughs> but in cameras, in cars, you know, in you know, where, where next, right? Where, in where your, next? In your air Evident- fryer, in your yeah, whatever. But yeah. but Maybe, evidently, yeah. evidently not for Drobo or or, or Narbox. <laughs> Or Narbox. Yeah. Okay, I think that is a is a nice wrap on this topic. Food for thought, <laughs> everyone. Maybe let us know what you think about this. We are online at uh, TFOP now on Twitter, and we have a website, The Future Photography. And now let's move on to the picks of the week. Let's start with Adrian first. Here's yours. Pixel oh, right. Okay. Photo. So this one's a nice one for me. Um, so uh, longer time listeners will know that some time ago I started uh, being very positive about uh, an app called Pixelmator Photo. It's been a long um, time that this was around on the Mac. Uh, so, well, so Pixelmator is a brand. They have actually quite a few products and their naming, their product naming strategy is, is a bit confusing at times. Um, but they, they had an app called Pixelmator Photo, which was iPad only. And I loved it because it would give you it was a, a photo editing app, but it had actual color wheels in the interface. And it was one of the early ones that did. Um, but they never had a phone version. Um, and recently uh, they have brought out the phone version. I think it was a, you know, not not you know very recently, perhaps. But I, I, I've just got my hands on it this last week or so and been playing with it. And uh, I really like it. The, the way they've moved it onto the, the iPhone works really well. So um, uh, it's uh, it's a reasonably powerful photo editor. It seems to work pretty seamlessly on the phone uh, and it allows you to do all the, sort, all the normal sorts of things that you might like. So that's my pick of the week. I like it. Very good. Pixelmator photo for the iPhone. And Jeremiah brought us, uh, uh, takes us to Russia. This is um, a dazzling, dazzling street photographer. Um, 
generally, you know, when I look at street photography, I, I, I the, I'm either impressed with the kind of uh, access to a specific uh, culture or the compositional of randomness, um, all of those accents. This this is something that is so incredible uh, it, it, to experience through one photographer's uh, eye. There is a um, just a, a sensitivity and. Um, an awareness, a situational Alexander awareness. Petrosian. I, I'm really dazzled by this person's work. Um, it, it's it amazing is, stuff. Okay, yeah, if, if you're not uh, watching amazing. the video version right now, that's the point where you want to either either go to the link in the show notes or switch over to the video. There's Just some great scrolling photos, yeah. to the photos. That's really? amazing stuff. I mean, look, you know, look yeah. at this. I mean... <laughs> But the consistency, these are not like the lucky break of yep. something. This is someone who goes in search of something. Uh, his, his his sensitivity, his color understanding, his compositional element, and his most important, the emotion in his pictures. Um, I, I would only aspire to, could never reach this. I think he's one of the greats up there with Cartier-Bresson and the rest of them. This is really good stuff. It is. Wow. It is. Yeah, it's very impressive. I mean, how do you how do you even find these situations? The people <laughs> and the the people and the situations. And the moment. And the moments, yeah, the timing, everything. And the, and the focus right there where it needs to be. This is yeah. just brilliant stuff. What a find. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, yeah. That is... I, I, I wanted to bring this to our, our, our world because he's not someone who is well-known um, and, and deserves global attention. Yeah, I will... I will, I will, I will carry that into uh, into other photo podcasts yeah. and things. Um, so yeah. I brought us a photo um, of a piece of art. We're talking about Rembrandt's Night Watch in the Rijksmuseum ah, in Amsterdam. And uh, what they did is they they photographed it, but not just one picture. They did take took hundreds of pictures of it and made it into a. 717 gigapixel image of this artwork and uh it, it's 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 okay let's yeah. let me just zoom in okay so so you get to zoom in and then you get to zoom in a bit more and then you get to zoom in even more and <laughs> you're getting closer and now you're starting to see the cracks in here and now you zoom in just a little more and the then brush. you zoom That's in incredible. a little more even more this is the limit <laughs> so you can you get you get down to like individual pigments in some cases uh, it is just astounding that it is it is incredible detail. what do they do about the edges because this is the fame this is the painting that was famously chopped down wasn't it when it uh, and recently digi did they um, digitally restore it from i don't think or, or something so. the, the edges well i mean I, they I, didn't I, repaint them and bolt them on i don't think did they no well, I'm no, not no. Sure. They, they did restore part of it but it's it's visually different so you can see where the restored parts are uh, in here i'm not sure how far it goes i'm not not as familiar with all the details about it 
Yeah. But this is just it's amazing I mean, stuff, though, isn't it? Really yeah, amazing. Yeah, I've played with this. It's it's really remarkable, and I would just issue a warning: kids, don't try and download this onto your phone. Um, <laughs> you can, you can. I mean, this is this is nicely packaged in an interface for you to click and and scroll around and look at the details. Um, I would doubt that would fit on any of our computers. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, here we are. Um, the links okay. to everything we talked about are, of course, in the show notes. Um, enjoy. Good stuff. And yeah. uh, we'll be back next week. Imar, e- e- I miss Imar. E- yeah. So, yeah. Me too. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, we'll be back with more. And uh, if you have anything to add to what we do, hey, um, chat us up on Twitter, on the social media on or discord or discord our discord yeah have to have to talk about this one again our discord is is lovely i love the whole uh, the different topics and interactions on there so check that one out everything is in the show notes we'll be back next week until then everyone take care and bye bye Bye. shall we sing the theme song